Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello and welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am Meredith Bond, here with my beautiful co-host. I'm Prue Warren. Welcome, Prue, and everybody. Today, we have a special guest with us, and I'm very excited. We have BC Deeks. Hello, Brenda. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Brenda is um, a client of mine. She is a friend of mine. She is an all-around fascinating person um, who has many interesting things that we could talk about, but... Today, we're going to talk with Brenda about something that she brought up on the Discord server, which is really, really interesting. And um, Brenda, I'm going to let you talk about it. But first, let me just say that BC Deeks, you all can look her up on Amazon. She's written the most adorable small town Christmas romances, and she has a fantastic paranormal romance that she is currently rewriting and expanding into a three book trilogy so don't look up that one don't buy that one quite yet we're gonna she's gonna be putting it out later in the year so Brenda tell us about this concept that you want to share with our listeners today well, it's something that came up in the course of our sixth rewrite of, of revision of my um, trilogy. Um, I, I guess and I, I want to interrupt right there and say, dive in, Prue. <laughs> how thrilled am I that you're on your sixth rewrite? Because I'm on number four of my next book, number four. And when you said you were on six, I'm like, I feel better. I feel better. Thank you for going through all those rewrites, just so that I would feel better. There is no right number of rewrites. <laughs> Absolutely. There, it's, you know, uh, in the first book I wrote, I, re- I think I did three rewrites. And, and there it was, done and out it went. Partially because it was on deadline. <laughs> it was like, get her out. The second one, I think I did four rewrites. And this one is taking six. So it's not even that you get fewer rewrites, <laughs> the more, more practice you get in. I think you just see it just, there's more elements that you learn yeah. to watch for. Yeah, that's the so. Truth. Are you traditionally published? Or are you indie? I'm indie published. I, I got a, a late start in my writing career. There's no timeline for dreams either. Oh, thank um, you. I, I had a very full, busy, demanding, horrifically terrorizing career <laughs> before I pursued my dream. Uh, I I was a computer security specialist oh, wow. before I actually went back to what I wanted to do from the time I was 12, which was be a writer. Um, so, you know, I spent my life working with um, terrorists, hackers, and, and oil executives. 
<laughs> which were equally <laughs> terrifying. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, well, it feeds your writing. I actually, I date back because of course I, I was in this line of work for 32 years before I started writing. Well, I, I, I wrote in airports. That was how I spent, cause I traveled a lot. So t- to fill my time in airports, I wrote my books and I traveled internationally because I dealt in payment systems when it first started. And one of my most famous stories is I actually sat at a table with the KGB on one side and the CIA on the other. Oh my God. And I was in the middle. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. So yes, it, it infuses my writing. <laughs> I, I can't believe that you're writing small cut small town Christmas romances when you've literally had the KGB on speed dial. That's wild. Well, that's wild. Well, now I write fantasy. <laughs> uh, there you go. Which is closer to the KGB. <laughs> well, exactly. Exactly. So I've written a little bit of everything. I have, I think, six books under the bed, and they're all in first drafts. So clearly I don't like to revise. <laughs> I procrastinate on that. Apparently and- not. Number six on the crew. Okay, so, so what, but but one of the things you've learned on this path is this concept of sentence structure and word sequence that you're going to talk about today. Well, that's the thing. Get me back on track here. Right. <laughs> we could talk oh, I really want to hear this. So I really want to Really, sentence structure is the pivotal element of getting a book from just a mess of sentences into a story. And that's what I had to think about is anybody can slap sentences on the page, but they don't become a story until you connect the related thoughts and properly signal to the reader the association and flow. That's what makes a story. Good. And then what makes a great writer is doing that well. So love it. Carry on. There it is. That's it in a nutshell. We can wrap up the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's just not easy. (laughs) No, it's not easy. And that's what I have to tell you is it took me the rest of the time to figure out, okay, how do I tell people how to do that? Because it's actually a technique. And so there's two parts. First of all, you have to show the type of relationship between the sentences. And then you have to show the logical order of the sequence of information. So, excuse me. So I'm not going to go. I I thought, well, readers are, you know, your listeners will roll their eyes if we start talking about adverb, conjunctival phrases and all of that. So let's skip all of that stuff. Let's talk about first the relationship between sentences. So relationship is based on eight factors. The factors can be. Yeah. So here, get your notepaper out. Ready, girl. Go on. (laughs) Okay. So. First of all, we're going to talk type of relationship is how one thought relates to the other thought. So we're talking sentences and each thought is contained in a sentence. So when you're going to relate one sentence to the next, you have to decide how do they relate? So the relationship can be, it can be an addition. So one thought is an add on to another thought. Yes. And you're going to do that with words. So the types of words you're going to use are things like Furthermore, besides, likewise, also, as well as those kinds of words. 
That means it's an additional thought and you're joining the two sentences with those types of words. It might be a comparison. So two sentences, one compares to the next thought. So words that indicate two thoughts are comparing each other similarly, as opposed to likewise, in a like manner, those kinds of words by contrast, but how, but is one word. If I do a search in one of my manuscripts for, but there's 5,332 occurrences of, but I use a lot of comparison in my writing. (laughs) Then there's contrast. So you might have two sentences and they're contrasting each other. It's a really good technique in writing. How do you show contrast? But (laughs) yet (laughs) still, nevertheless, on the other hand, those are the kinds of phrases that you link one sentence thought to another sentence thought. The ones that we use a lot in writing tend to be time and place. So if you want to indicate place, it's here, there, near, beyond, beside, opposite to, adjacent from. Those are the kinds of phrases. So if you've got two sentences together and you want to show place here and there. Now, I am going to give you an example. So I'm whipping through these because this is the concept that you really want to get into with me. But I just wanted to let's get some concept context around sentence structure. Yep. Time. If you want to put a time and relate one sentence thought to another with time, you're going to use phrases like and then at the same time. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, (laughs) you know, gives you a sense of one thought took place here and this thought took place over here. Was it at the same time? Was it at a different time? Did one happen before or after the other? So there we're starting to talk sequencing. So this is going to be really important in a few minutes. Soon, later, afterward, there's your sequencing. Three more factors. Purpose, result, summary. Purpose is when you say words like because, therefore, to this end, for this purpose. The seventh factor is can be thought of as result, but really cause and effect. So I want you to underline that one, Prue, in your notes. Yep, really I'm important. Yep. That's going to be my lead in. The last okay. one is summary. It's so, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, that's foreshadowing. For example, in any event, indeed, in fact, for instance, in other words, in some, in brief, those are all summaries. So you'd have, you might have three sentences and then you say, in summary, and you have a final sentence. That'll always be the last sentence, right? So again, you're starting to see how some of these phrasing and word choices tell you where to place a sentence. So those are your eight factors, addition, comparison, contrast, place, Time, purpose, result, summary. Okay. Yep. So that's your relationship between one sentence and another. And that will tell you what order to put your sentences in. You're not going to put an in summary ahead of a but sentence. So it starts to tell you, right? Right. So I have an example. (laughs) (laughs) We'll make this all very clear to you. Excellent. Here's a set of sentences. And you'll when I read them out, you're going to say, well, that's a fragmented thought process, a menopausal mind, shall we say. (laughs) (laughs) So Brenda's going to Newfoundland. She enjoys travel. The pandemic is over. 
her family's having a family reunion. Her favorite band, Run Ragged, is performing. The airline is lowering air, airfares. Those are totally legitimate sentences. Could you make any sense of them whatsoever? I would, I would say that you were fractured there. I would yeah. say it was very low. And you would have to sit back and think, oh, I have to think about that. Right. That's making the listener or the reader think right. really hard. Right. So right. if that were a story, you'd have the readers jump out of the story and say, oh, I have to work at that one. You don't want to make your reader work, right? You want to make a reader just dissolve into your story and flow with it. So if I took some of that phrasing that we talked about and made those sentences all relate to each other and right. tell a story, what I would do is I would say, Brenda is going to Newfoundland as soon as the pandemic is over. So now I've related the sentence time. the pandemic is over to Brenda's going to Newfoundland. Is that time or is it purpose? As soon as was, I had that one up where I had that as time. I uh, had that in my time list. Time. Okay. So that's a time. I'm saying Brenda's going to Newfoundland when? As soon as the pandemic is over. So now those two separate sentences have become linked right. based on time. Right. Period. The yeah. airline is lowering airfares. And so there's now an addition as a result, cause and effect. Cause and effect, result. Her family is having a reunion there. Place. Cause and effect. Place. Place. Yeah. So now I've linked two separate thoughts using cause and effect, time, place. So I've done all this thinking for the reader. Strung it all together, suddenly that is making perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Third sentence, she enjoys travel, plus her favorite band, Run Ragged, is performing while she's there. Uh -huh. The plus is an additional thought, yeah. while it's time, and there is place. place. I just want to confess that I have a cheat sheet. As you're reading this, I'm reading it along with you, so... So I'm looking at it too, whereas the listener is not. Would you no. go back and read those sen those three sentences again as, as a whole unit? Yep. So here it is as a paragraph. And now the listener can sit back and hear this story about Brenda going to Newfoundland. Brenda's going to Newfoundland as soon as the pandemic is over. The airline is lowering airfares. And as a result, her family is having a reunion there. She enjoys travel, plus her favorite band. Ron Ragged is performing while she's there. So now you've got a story. Yep, it flows. And all because I added those relational adverbs, but just don't even worry about them being adverbs. I added relational words. Right, right. That links. Links. All those, because otherwise that was one, two, three, four, five, six totally standalone sentences. That made no sense to the reader. Right. But instead, by using all those linking words that made those sentences all linked together in a coherent story, suddenly those thoughts made sense. They flowed in a logical sequence. So as you're talking about this, you were talking about the relationship between sentences, but really what we're doing is relationships within sentences, because you're taking... Two separate thoughts and linking them in one 
sentence. You're just making things flow better. Yeah, you're telling a story. Thoughts, individual thoughts relate to each other. And that's what tells the story. Mm, I think that's Otherwise, they're fractured thoughts floating around in the air. And you're relying on the reader to make sense of them. So a storyteller links those thoughts together into a unique story. And that's why, because this is what I was thinking about, is you can give the same set of thoughts to five readers, and they'll tell you five different stories with them. (laughs) I mean, they do that exercise in writers groups all the time. They say, you take an elf, you take a setting, you take a scenario, you take a couple of artifacts and a, a time, and you get the writers to tell a story, and every single one of them will tell you a different story. Well, that's a good point. So this is how, if you use these factors, you put it together, you're doing the work for the reader and telling a beautiful story. So now from that little paragraph, people know a bit about Brenda. They know family matters. They know she loves to travel. They know she's not going to be irresponsible and travel before the pandemic's over. (laughs) You know, so, so by linking and doing that sequencing, they're learning even more than the sentences say. And that's a storyteller. Right. What isn't here, though, Brenda, is feeling. Yes. But you And could. as romance writers, feeling, I think, is essential. Yes. And let's see if we could do that. We could, in purpose, and yes. I mean, I didn't put it in here because I still get a bit weepy about it, is I could have said, the real reason I'm going to Newfoundland is because my mother, her ashes are sitting in my sister's closet in Ontario right now. We haven't been able to bury her. So the real reason for the family reunion is we need to tuck my mother in to the family cemetery. There's your feeling. There you go. There it is. Right. And see, just that one fact not only brings in your feeling, Brenda, who has to travel to Newfoundland after the pandemic, but then it pulls on the heartstrings of the reader so that we care. So it's yeah. not just an abstract story. Somebody named Brenda is going to Newfoundland. Okay, that's really nice. I don't, why should I care? Well, you just told me why we should care. We should care because we have all experienced or loss. It's been a year of loss. And it's right. been a year of loss. And now, now we love you. And we yeah. wish for you to have a good journey. Yeah. And to, to find solace in this act of going to Newfoundland to, yeah. as you say, tuck your mother in, which is a lovely <laughs> phrase. I love that. Yeah. And, so, you know, it's something people can identify with. And yet, yes. if I just said her mother died, well, she died. That wouldn't be but it. the fact that she didn't die at home, she couldn't be buried. And we now have to travel to tuck her in. All of that matters. Yes. You know, but that can't, unless you say where, so place. You know, you lose so much by not linking thoughts. Fragments of thoughts don't tell the story. It's also the power of the damn pandemic because people traveling to bury their mother is not universal, but pretty close. And people having to wait, not being able to have your time of finality. Your story is extremely It's it's universal. It's universal. And family spread out, you know, like my my siblings stretch from the far west coast 
all the way to the far east coast and everywhere in between. We're we're five children. No two wow. of us in the same province. Wow. So you know this was a big deal. <laughs> and it, well, that, and I mean family reunion. We have not seen each other in wow. all this time. Wow. Right. So we not only couldn't bury her, we couldn't see each other, we couldn't we we couldn't deal with the situation. So you know this is a true story. And the way we present it, and again, getting back to because you know we could go off on this tangent and it would be a whole other podcast. But but the way we present this and get to the emotion, as you mentioned, Mary, is how do we link these thoughts? And it's all about you know doing the 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 time, the place, the emotion, all of those factors. It's how you tell that story, and that's why when I sent you these notes, I said it's the lyrics of the storyteller. It's, it's not just words. It's not just a sentence. Mm-hmm. And sequencing it is critical. And that's you- the concept that you and I talked about, just to keep us moving before we get off on another tangent, <laughs> is the sequence. So there's the relationship between the sentences. But then it gets into the proper sequence and transitioning. And that is a concept that was new to Mary. And I had heard of it. Didn't really get it, frankly. <laughs> I had to go to another author friend, Mari Reed, who had to explain it to me. And then I did some research. And uh, in, I'll send the show, or I guess you'll be posting the show notes, okay. where I went through every reference book in my little library on my keeper shelf. The two best explanations, and the very best was actually um, uh, Cam Wyland is an amazing uh, writer and particularly instructor on all things writing. And she has a book, Structuring Your Novel, uh, Essential Keys for Writing on Outstand- an Outstanding Story. And she does a fabulous job of explaining this concept called Feeling Actions Dialogue. And it is how to sequence in writing a story, how to sequence action, dialogue, and emotion. Because if you get it wrong, you lose momentum in telling a story. And so it's called fad is the concept. So it speaks to the whole idea of flow and sequencing. And it's based on logic and human nature. So, for example, if you want to say, what are you doing here? Joey said as he pushed open the door. That's that's kind of flat. It's okay. And you see it in books quite often. But it's actually flat. And the reason is it's not logical. Joey can't know who's on the other side of the door until he opens it and walks through. So why would he say, what are you doing here? He can't see through the door. So the the, the logical way to introduce those thoughts is to say, Joey pushed open the door and stopped in his tracks. What are you doing here? That has so much more impact. So you have to look at cause and effect. And remember I said, I, I get back to that eighth factor of result. It's really cause and effect. So there has to be, um, effective prose has to be based on cause and effect. And this is that concept that Mari, Mary and I got very interested in. It, it was first raised uh, by Dwight Swain who's very famous, everybody in the writer community talks about it. And he referred to them as motivational reaction units. Uh, and it's, I don't know him. I don't know motivational reaction. Write this down. 
Do I okay? Swim? Write it down because I okay. didn't dig it out. There's, so, I mean, I could have spent months looking into all yeah. this. So I went to the basics here because I, you know, have I mentioned I've got probably another three revisions to do. <laughs> <laughs> so he said it was the code of efficient prose was to use motivational reaction units, and that's because everything that happens in a story can be broken into two categories: cause, which is the motivations. And then the effects, which are the reactions. So you can't have a reaction until something triggers it. Okay. So you have to think in terms of something has to trigger it, and then there has to be a reaction. But then you have to even dig, and it has to be in that order. But you have to even dig deeper than that. Because first, according to Kim Wyland, there has to be an external cause. And that has to be a motivating factor or trigger outside the character has to cause the reaction. So she said something must happen to the character and it can be something in description, action, or dialogue. But we're talking outside the character. Now, she said there was, she has a, I think it's a friend editor called Kathy Lynn Dick, who said that internal monologues can count. So if a character is going through an internal dialogue where they're throwing out options and thinking things through and trying to solve a problem, that can count as a trigger. So I found that part a little confusing, and I don't know if it counts or not, but according to them, that might count. It would make sense because if you are, if you come to a decision by having an internal dialogue, that decision is an action. It's a trigger. It triggers something. Right. So I think the best way to think about it, I mean, in all writing, the answer is always, it depends. <laughs> so, so this is one of those, it depends. So I think, basically think about it as, if there's something that triggers the next step, it counts. Okay. So then, so first there has to be a trigger, then there's a reaction. There's a cause. And then and- there's a cause, and then there's an effect. Right. And then there's a natural human sequence that happens in the reaction. And that I think is what's really important when you're writing and particularly don't worry about it in your draft. You know, that first draft that you're throwing everything on the page and you're worrying about the story, get it down. This is a revision exercise, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, whatever number (laughs) of revisions you're doing, decide when you're going to do this. (laughs) But the human response sequence whether you want to call it effects or whatever, it happens in a sequence. So I, this is where I have to read from my notes. It happens in this order. So break out the pen and paper again. First, there's going to be an involuntary subconscious response. So that's going to be a feeling or an autonomic response like sweating. So it's not something you control or or blush, but you get your trigger. And you're going to respond emotionally in some way that you can't control. And because it's uncontrolled, it's the fastest. It happens in the snap of a finger. The second thing that's going to happen is you'll have something that's considered an involuntary physical reaction. That's going to be a thought or a movement. So you'll twitch. You'll have a thought. So it's something that's going to happen. It's going to be very fast, but it's going to be a little more overt. But you would say a thought. Is a physical reaction? Because you don't stop a thought. Have you? No. I mean, some people have amazing control over their thoughts. I'm not one of them. 
you know, if you're a meditator, you might get a little more, more control over your thoughts, but boy, I don't have that much control. <laughs> and, and then the third thing, you start to have a little more control over the responses. And that's when you have a voluntary physical reaction. Mm-hmm. So that's when, you know, most human beings would control whether they reach out and touch somebody right. or they step forward or you walk or they, away. Or you walk away or you punch someone. You know, some people don't have control over the punches, but most people do. You know, we've got a little discipline. So think in terms of a voluntary physical reaction, movement, action. The fourth thing you do is speech. Most of us don't blurt stuff out right away. It's the fourth thing that happens. So that's the thing. So it's involuntary, subconscious, autonomic response. Involuntary physical reaction voluntary physical reaction, and then finally speech. But typically what newer writers do, dialogue first. And yet that's the fourth response. Right. And that's what you have to do. look for in editing. Don't let, and so that example I gave you is, what are you doing, Joey said, as he walked through the door? No, he wouldn't walk through the door speaking. I mean, there's occasions where it'll happen and it makes sense. Generally speaking, no, you're not going to have a reactive dialogue piece of speech if they have nothing to react to because they don't know what's on the other side of the door. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're trying to edit for. So um, that's the common mistake. So for an example, and I, I just grabbed this from my own stuff. You can't kill me. I'm your son, Theo said, staring in disbelief at his father's upraised wand. That's wrong. So that's something I have to edit because in life, We either have an emotional reaction or a mental reaction to an event first. It happens quickly. We see a gun, fear shoots through our body. Then we think, I don't want to die. That's the more natural reaction. These emotions or thoughts cause us to act. Sometimes an action can be almost unconscious, like a knee-jerk reaction to our feelings or thoughts. So finally, we speak because speaking is externalizing what's going on inside. It's It's the final step. Speech, even when you're angry, generally takes longer and requires more mental engagement. Mm. That's what you have to remember. So here's an example. And I've I've reworked it. So wrong. And I'm going to go through this. And again, we'll give these notes to the the listeners so that they can, because honestly, this took me two weeks to get my own head around. (laughs) This isn't something they're going to get just listening to us talk about it right now. So here's the example, the motivator. I don't want to kill you, but it's unavoidable, Jeremiah said. He pointed his ancient bone wand at Theo. Magic sizzled over it. So so the external motivator is that Jeremiah is is waving around a wand and saying he's going to kill Theo. Father, there is always another way. That's speech. So that's number four. Theo instantly raised his own palm in defense, knowing it was too late. That's action, which is number three. Defensive magic gathered under his skin as sh- as shock clutched his chest. So defensive magic gathering under his skin, that's an involuntary physical response in my fantasy world, of course, mm-hmm. as shock clutched his chest. That's an emotion. That's number one. Impossible. His father wouldn't kill him, his own son. That's a thought. That's number two. So the order, so let me read it again. I don't want to kill you, but it's unavoidable, Jeremiah said. He pointed his he pointed his ancient bone wand at Theo. Magic sizzled over. Father, there's always another way. 
Theo instantly raised his own palm in defense, knowing it was too late. Defensive magic gathered under his skin as, as shock clutched his chest. Impossible. His father wouldn't kill him, his own son. So on first writing, it sounded okay to me, but really it's wrong. So right would be, I don't want to kill you, but it's unavoidable, Jeremiah said. He pointed his ancient bone wand at Theo. Magic sizzled over it. Shock clutched Theo's chest. Defensive magic gathered under his skin. Impossible. His father wouldn't kill him, his own son. He instantly raised his own palm in defense, knowing it was too late. Father, there's always another way. That is so much better. Isn't that more powerful? You're absolutely right. And the different order is, so we went from speech to action, emotion to thought, which was wrong, to emotion, involuntary physical response, thought, action, speech. So changing it to the appropriate order made it so much more impactful. It's using exactly the same words. Just changing the sequence. So that's the natural sequence is tense and punchy, allowing the reader to feel the immediacy of that moment. And that's what you're striving for. The objective of this type of a revision is to let your reader feel the immediacy rather than having to step out and try and sort out what the flow of the sequence should be and what's the story you're trying to tell. Now, I know I'm going to have to buy the book to find out, but does Theo die? Does dad kill his <laughs> I can't tell you because I haven't finished the revisions. <laughs> revision number six. Come on, get going. I want so, to know. Benefits of this type of a revision. Reader knows who's doing the talking and dialogue is generally stronger because you'll notice I didn't have, because we had the action all in the right sequence, I didn't have to say said because we knew who was moving and who was feeling what at the right time. Right. So you, you avoid a lot of those types of having to say, he said, she said, because it's very clear from the action. So it's an also a way that eliminates a lot of the other types of revisions you have to do. Mm-hmm. Gives the readers a more logical pattern to follow. So they are drawn naturally into the immediacy of the story. And the action reaction sequence keeps the reader grounded in the characters in the story. Yes, it does. So Without those are the three, there are three benefits of just doing this type of revision as you go along. So included in my notes, and I'll clean these up. I sent you sort of my, I was doing these at six o'clock in the morning, girls, because (laughs) we're dealing with time zones here. (laughs) But I'll clean these notes up for you. But I think this took some doing to get even my own head around it. And as I say, we I've actually got three, three books published. One is actually a, um, we forgot to mention it at the head of the the story. It's, uh, I have three friends who were impacted badly by breast cancer. So one of my books is actually an anthology of stories that goes in complete support of breast cancer. That's the oh. other one that's out in my name. So yeah, all proceeds go to breast cancer. So that's the third book out. But this trilogy that's coming out is all mine. <laughs> mine, totally mine. And Mary is very graciously and kindly and supportively helping me uh, get it revised to its tightest and best story. And this is a technique that we're using. You mean Mary knows if Theo dies or not, and I don't know? She does, and you don't know. You will find out. You have to wait. You have (laughs) to wait and find out. And there are actually three, there are three couples, and because three siblings, two two boys and a girl, two men and two brothers and a sister, and they each have to go through their journey to find out, uh, you know, where this, this, this journey leads. 
And it's interesting because we were talking last week. You haven't heard this one yet, Brenda, but we were talking last week about series. And one problem that Brenda was having, Prue, with her series was figuring out where to break her books because it's a continuing story with each book has a different couple. So each couple comes to its natural conclusion. It's happily ever after. But the overarching story continues is a continuous story throughout the three books. And so figuring Mm -hmm. out where to break the books. I bet that was was hard. Oh, that was hard. It was an interesting conversation. Yeah. And a point of revision. (laughs) And a point of revision. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been it's been a very, very challenging trilogy to write. Even though I knew uh, who needed to be in the story and I knew the story. So, you know, storytelling is the easy part. Revision is the hard part, which is why I have six other books under my bed. Great stories. Out from under the bed. They'll come out from under the bed. They'll come out. They'll come out. And, and Mary's going to help me. That's why I, you know, sometimes it's just a question of having to ask for help. That you have to know, you know, when you don't have the, there's the the skill of writing and, or there's the imagination that comes with storytelling. And then there's the skill and techniques like this, that it just, it's learning the technique, getting your head around it, and then perseverance. And, you know, six, this is not the last revision. I don't imagine it will stop with the next one either. This is a long haul kind of project. And it's perseverance. It's going to be so long until I find out if Theo does not get killed by his father. Well, this one (laughs) should come out this year. I'm I'm optimistic this one will come out this year. The question is, will the the book three come out this year? It's also written and needs to be revised. And I don't think it'll be as hard as this. Will it marry? No, no, book three is, is in much better shape than book two. Yeah, book two has been a plague to write. It's been so it's hard. a fantastic story and it it'll everybody will love it. I know. I just know it. That's and excellent. it's worth, you know, it's worth getting it right. When you've got yes. a good story, it's worth getting it right. We'll note. We'll note on the podcast when it comes out so people will buy. Because we all yes. thank you. Thank no. you. But you know, these techniques are things we continue to learn. And this one, this is a really, really important technique. So I hope, uh, you know, the listeners dig up, grab the notes because you, it's not an easy one. This is a tough technique, but once you get it, it's like, oh, 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 right. Why didn't I know that? (laughs) I will, I will put, I will put this in the show notes at the writers block party podcast.com so that everybody can, um, can go over it at their own speed because there is a lot. There's a lot here. And they need to then thank you so much, Brenda, for putting this together for us. Happy to do it. I learned as I did it. It was really something I had to learn myself. So I was happy to dig it down. I'll I'll do a quick little cleanup on this and resend to both of you. And uh, I hope it's as helpful to others as it's been to me to learn. And so uh, to learn. I'm delighted with it. Um, next week, Mary, we're talking about. Author business plans? Author business plans. 
Uh-huh. The, the, the fun part of being an author, you know, you thought that it was all the fun was in the writing, but no, no, there is more. Yeah. You as an author are a business and we're going to talk about that. Oh, author and Inc. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is, uh, Mary and I both take a class, uh, an exercise <laughs> class from a woman who seems to think that the word challenging is the same thing as the word fun. So she said, let's do something fun. And now everybody in the class is like, oh God, what have we gotten ourselves into? So <laughs> Mary said- I, Actually, I'll look forward to that. I taught a, or I did a presentation at When Words Collide about four years ago on uh, business plans in a digitized world. Mm. And I can imagine things have changed in the last four years. So I'll be interested. I'm going to, I'm going to drain you both dry. Consider me the energy <laughs> empire. I'm coming to learn everything, you know, because I have to hear it. Well, I, I uh, I'll be interested to hear what you are uh, going to say, because it's, I can imagine, you know, this is an industry that's changing minute by minute. <sighs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I I just want to say before we end that this is our most international call yet. (laughs) Canada. I'm in America, United States, excuse me. And Meredith, are you in Ukraine yet? No, I'm not. I'm back in Vienna right now. So I'm in Austria. You're in Austria, but you'll be in Ukraine soon. Regardless, we did have to handle, what was it, uh, 10 time zones? To get this going on? Yeah, this this one was tricky. This was this tricky. Was I don't good. get up at six o'clock in the morning for just anybody, girls. <laughs> Thank you, BC Deeks, awesome author. Um, okay, Meredith, we've run far run over our time. Let's end oh. quickly tell people we love them. Oh, we love everybody who listens to our podcast and we want to hear from you. Yes, we do. So how, please. How, no. So please uh, rate us wherever you found your podcast. Um, write to us at mary at meredithbond.com or prue at pruewarren.com. Right. Uh, comment on our website, the writers block party podcast.com or write to us and join the discord server. Join the discord server where you will find BC Deeks. Who comes on? Yes. I'm there two or three times a week at least. That's excellent. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, Let's listen to your husband's absolutely gorgeous voice as he says goodbye. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. Thank you.